Welcome to Reclaim Your A-Game. I'm your host, Christine Franklin. I'm a best-selling author and firm believer that we all deserve to live lives full of joy and show up as the best version of ourselves in every area. Beyond awards and accolades, being on your A-Game is about being mindful of what makes you feel your best and settling for nothing less. Today, I'm speaking with Karen Chappell, who is across the pond in the UK. She dreams of helping people live active, pain-free lives into their 90s without medication or surgery. And I can tell you that she is living her purpose. Welcome, Karen. It's so good to have you here. I know that you have a lot to share, so we're just going to get right into it. You had a whole other career before you started Body Logic. So tell us about that. What was that career and why did you decide to leave that behind and do something that seems to me at least totally different? But you tell me. Oh, it was a, it was a long journey, Chris, to be honest. And it's, I started off as a finance manager. So I was looking after the accounts for a company and I was actually writing uh, databases as well. So it was actually very analytical very much in front of a computer all day, every day, no interaction or very little interaction with people. And it was very much a problem solving profession. And I was also um, studying for a maths degree as well. So I was two, two years into a maths degree at the same time. And we, we go through these things and we don't actually realize the effects it's having on us. So we just, go to work because that's what we do we go to work to earn the money or for whatever reason we choose to be employed without actually thinking about the consequences and how it's really affecting us and I got to a point where I was stressed up to the hilt and didn't actually know it and mm. you, you just keep pushing through pushing through pushing through and then I realized that something wasn't quite right um, also at that time, I was smoking 40 a day. Can't believe it when I look back. I used to smoke 40 cigarettes a day. And I didn't eat very well because I was so focused on uh, life, really. And I ignored my body. And it was at that point where there was a lot of companies going into liquidation. So it might have been around the 2000s or somewhere like that. And... When I stopped smoking, I put weight on, so I decided to go to the gym and became addicted to exercise, just love going to the gym. And the company I was working for at that time was starting to struggle, so I decided to use the opportunity to retrain in the fitness industry. And it was only when I was, I remember being out in the garden one day, and this was while I was still employed, but going to the gym. And I remember just... I was virtually on my knees and I remember thinking at the time how I was mistreating my body. It was all, everything was going wrong. I was doubled up with pain. I was in agony. It was just such a stressful environment to be in. And that was almost like a, a wake up call about where I had been and where I was moving towards. And I'd essentially been in a job that was just it was a decent salary, I have to say. It was a decent salary, almost like golden handcuffs. And it was difficult to think, well, I need to get out and do something different. 
and knowing that I was going to lose the salary. But with hindsight, it was actually the best thing I ever did because I started to be more of me rather than what I thought people wanted me to be. So I went from being suited and booted to actually starting to be Karen Chapel rather than trying to fit in. And when I look back now, this was golly over 20 years ago, I'm guessing. But when I look back now, I, I just feel, I feel sorry for me and I feel sorry for these people that are in a similar, similar situation. You know, they're going to work because they, they need the money, but it's not a fulfilling way of working. And compared to what I do now, the two are completely polar opposites. So now I'm working with people, I'm helping people. And I, I didn't have that before. I didn't have any interaction at all other than to talk about numbers, essentially. And it's, it is just so rewarding to actually find your passion and your purpose. Right. But it can't be easy to make such a big leap of faith. So let's start with first recognizing what was going on in your body. How did that happen? Because I know you said you sat in the garden, you started to realize you didn't like the way things were feeling. But was it before that, that you stopped smoking? What led you to actually stop smoking and start exercising? Was there a series of things that happened? Or was there some big motivation that led you to that? Huge, huge motivation. My auntie was also a smoker and I was actually really close to her. She was one of life's rebels and I just love that. And she ended up on oxygen. She had COPD mm. and she sat in her lounge and I was in front of her. I was kneeling down in front of her. She wasn't well at all. And she said, Karen, uh, I want you to stop smoking oh, I don't want you to end up like this so she just could not breathe and and she was gasping with every breath oh, and okay. uh, it was just awful to it was just awful to to witness and I did go to the doctor the next day I booked in to see my doctor the next day and they said Karen you've got to stop smoking otherwise you suffer the consequences and that was the biggest wake-up call. So there were two wake-up calls, the, the consequences of COPD. And what I know now and didn't know then is that COPD is um, hereditary and it's oh. usually hereditary through the female line. Oh. And so I think I had a really close shave. You know, I can't exercise fully now because my lung capacity is re reduced, but I can still fully function. But when I, it, when I see people smoking, I just it just turns it makes my heart go cold because I'm thinking, what are you doing to your body? You know, it's all of these things that we don't realise that we're doing until you get you see the consequences. And very often we learn the hard way how not to rather than to take somebody's guidance and say, it'd be great if you stop smoking. Because to, to actually see either um, yourself as a, or a relative suffering with COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is 
it's 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 awful it's shocking and they they can't move they she my auntie was so active she had two allotments and she rode a motorbike and she was a traffic warden and she was one of those life's characters to end up being massively inactive as a result of smoking and so you know that that was that was my biggest turnaround to stopping smoking and then it was just a question of well I stopped smoking so I started to eat a bit more and and I put weight on and so I, I went to the the gym and that that just turned my life around my goodness yeah it's I guess a blessing in disguise mm. that you had that wake-up call at the point when you did because Absolutely. so often we're doing things that add up every day all the little bits add up day by day year after year but we don't see the signs of what's going on in our bodies and in our minds and in our brains and so we take it for granted we're doing okay we're getting by just fine and then you know we hear the dangers we hear the warnings but what we're seeing for ourselves isn't really you know a big red flag so we think yes you know I can yeah. continue with this at least a little bit longer until I'm ready to stop. And then there's that wake up call, luckily mm. just in the nick of time, because otherwise, if we continue like that, then you see the signs, sometimes it's too late. And, Absolutely. And the other thing yeah. Chris, is that I had a smoker's cough and nobody told me. And oh, I used wow. to cough on a regular basis. It was normal for me. And then it was only when I stopped smoking that I realized that I, I was gradually, I was starting to reduce the coughing. And mm. I suspect I had a very, very close call because I was maybe close to cancer. I don't, I don't know. My goodness. Mm. Oh. Well, thank goodness you made the change that you did when you did. Mm. And now you're changing lives. So let's work our way to that. So you started going to the gym, you got addicted to exercise. Mm. And then what was the next step after that? There was lots of small steps that have almost as though the universe has guided me down a certain path, if that makes sense. I'm sure it does. There was a lot of small steps along the way that moved me into where I am now. And I am, uh, I suppose, an addictive personality. You know, hence the smoking, hence addicted to exercise, and I don't give up easily. And and if I if I find something that's really interesting, uh, like I did it with maths, I was really interested in mathematics, and then I started to become interested in the human body, and then that was it. I was just totally engrossed and involved in human anatomy because the human body is absolutely fascinating. It is. It doesn't matter what we do to our bodies, whether it's overeating, smoking, drinking, over-exercising, or it doesn't matter what we do, our body always tries to balance things out to keep us living as well as it can, for as long as it can. And that absolutely amazed me how we can abuse our bodies and yet this homeostasis where it starts taking you back to where, as balanced as it, it can be. And so I started to look at uh, personal training and lots of things in the fitness industry. So I did a lot of training within the fitness industry, including 
GP exercise, referral, working with neurological conditions, you know, just about everything I could find. And it was when I was teaching Pilates down at the local church hall and I realised that people were actually coming to my group. They were either referring themselves or GPs were referring. Go to Pilates, it's a panacea, it will cure your bad back. And I thought, this is just shocking, to be honest, because I wasn't trained to deal with bad backs. And, and yeah, so it, if, if, you, if you're within a group setting, it may help, but it's more by luck than judgment. Whereas right. if you're working one-to-one, then there's a, a better chance of getting a, um, a result. So I started off thinking, well, actually, I may be doing more harm than good because really I, don't, I wasn't trained to, to help people with bad backs. So I started to look at um, body work and became totally fascinated again with the, the, the healing mechanism. And I thought, well, I'd quite like to be an osteopath. So I, I started looking at that training. And I got lots of different techniques like sports massage, um, lots of bodywork techniques, biomechanic coaching. Just did this like raft of, I call it my career crisis. I had this raft of um, collected certificates. And, and I know one or two people will understand this. You know, you collect these certificates because you're always looking for the next thing, whatever that next thing is. And I, re- I started to realise that uh, I, in isolation, these things were fabulous. So Pilates is great. Personal training is great. Um, body work, like massage, is great in isolation. And But if you start putting them together, then you get a powerful solution. And at the same time, I decided to do a counselling diploma. Oh. So I... It was just, it's just totally random, Chris. There's no, you know, it's like, mm, okay. So, so there was this, there was a certain circumstance that a friend came to me for guidance and I didn't feel as though I dealt with it very well. And so I started to explore counseling and then I thought, actually, this is, you know, this is pretty awesome because if you, if you have a chat with me, you, it's, you only need to talk, tell your story once because you did it, you're working with multiple therapists in one. And then I started to distill my training into what I now call body logic. So my body logic approach, which is a logical approach to the body. And so that, that journey, although it's been summed up in a few minutes, actually took me years and years of experience, pain, training, um, and actually unlearning some of the training. I just believe nothing is random. <laughs> and so, although it may have seemed like you were just collecting all these certificates at the time, and maybe they weren't absolutely necessary at the time, but I do believe that they all feed into that funnel of what you then can put out into the world in some way. Yes. Yeah. So you have all this knowledge and you've created Body Logic. Mm-hmm. This totally unique approach that I have experienced myself and I know how different it is having gone to an osteopath having gone to a physiotherapist before this Karen's body logic approach is definitely different 
And I believe the counseling aspect actually helps you to really tune in to what's going on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's always that mind-body connection. It can never be denied. Mm -hmm. And just having gone through your approach, working with you and benefiting from it, I just really feel that it's all come together so powerfully. So how did you then actually sit and create this approach? Because it's one thing to take what you're taught and create a business. It's another thing to create a whole new approach. So how in the world did you do this to the point where you felt confident enough to offer this to clients? That, that's been a, a well, as I, like you say, it is a journey because you, you start off with all of this training but what I realised, because I am analytical, I'm a problem solver, what I realised was that I started off offering one-off sessions, um, but my clients kept boomeranging back with the same problem. And then I thought, well, actually, I'm just another sticking plaster because I'm not a mad fan of um, medication and I don't take it unless it's absolutely necessary. By that, I mean pharmaceutical creative rather than natural homeopathic yeah. remedies. Um, and I started to see this same pattern uh, coming where people would come, they maybe say, can you do a bit of work on my shoulder? My shoulder hurts, so I'd do a bit of work on their shoulder. Bearing in mind, this was hands-on before the pandemic. And and they, they would say, oh, that's great. And then you have these stuck phrases like, you know, if that's done the trick, then great. If it doesn't come back, and I and I, and I was repeating these stock phrases, you know, like if it hurts, don't do it, or listen to your body. But these stock phrases don't actually mean anything really. That it's just patter that you repeat. And I started to 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 think about my clients and how I could help them, other than to just be another sticking plaster. And so with all of my years of training, I cherry-picked what was starting to become the best bits, the best bits of the training, and not to use the things that either were less effective or were counterproductive. And so it really was an analytical approach of saying, okay, so I'll, I'll try this with my clients and then see what the feedback is. And then I started to increase the session. So rather than offering a one-off session, I offered a program. And that increased my success rate substantially. And that was when I started to think, actually, there is something really great in what I'm doing, extending it into a program of, at that stage, it started off at six weeks. And then I extended it to 12 weeks. But then... I started to realise that everybody was different. And so some people improve in two or three weeks and some people took longer. And when you start in the journey, there's no guarantees, can't guarantee uh, how, how people will respond because I can give the same mobilisers or movements to three different people and they'll respond in totally different ways. So body logic has been described as an iterative process. So we start off, we do something, 
find out how that affects the the client, um, what the response is, and then we do something else and we build on that. And that's that's how it how it works. And then of course the pandemic happened and I was just completely traumatized. I think that's the only word for it. Because I had a hands-on, potentially uh, just a, a, a local business. You know, people would just drive an hour to me in, in the Midlands in the UK. And I thought, there's no business. There's no business. There's no future. There's no hope. There's no money. There's no nothing. And so I I was chatting with a, another colleague, and she said, is there something you can do online, like posture assessment? So I thought, well, I'll give it a go. I do have to pinch myself sometimes because I can't believe it's possible. And it's it's weird. I'm doing it. It's me doing my thing. But I'm thinking, goodness me, this really works. Yes. I believe we're all just vessels. So you are the vessel to help me and to help others. And even the pandemic couldn't stop that. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Karen. I can't say enough about the wonderful work that you're doing to help others. And I'm so glad that you had the journey that you had because every element of that journey, I'm sure is a part of what you shared today. So mm. thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, Chris, as always. All of Karen's links will be in the show notes so you can connect with her. And if you're experiencing any kind of pain or discomfort, at least it's worthwhile to have a chat with her and see where it goes. If you think there's someone in your life who needs to hear this episode, please share it with them so we can help each other along our life journeys. I'd love to know what resonated with you the most or helped you make even the tiniest positive change. Connect with me on LinkedIn You'll find me for sure with the L-Y-N spelling of the end of my last name. And of course, all my social media links are in the show notes. Until next time, this is Christine Franklin saying, have a powerful day.